Bibles this morning and turn to Judges chapter 2 with me, if you would. Judges chapter 2. Now, tonight I'm going to preach a message entitled, Our Riches in Christ. So, if you can only attend one service today, I'd make it tonight's service, okay? <laughs> so, make sure, if you can only come to one, make sure it's tonight's. And that'll, that way you won't miss out on our riches in Christ. Amen. Well, thank you for coming this morning. And uh, I'm going to give you a disclaimer here for a moment. Um, I'm going to be talking to us this morning in this message that I'm going to preach. Uh, I'll mention this a little bit later, but this message is not aimed at the atheists this morning. This message is not aimed at the liberals this morning. It's aimed at Christian people. And uh, you'll understand a little bit more as we get into the message why I say that. But um, I don't want anybody getting mad at me today because I didn't want to preach this message. But this is the message the Lord laid on my heart, so I believe this is the message he wants us to hear. So if you get mad at somebody over this message, get mad at the Lord. Okay, don't get, don't get mad at me because this is his word I'm going to preach, not my own. So let's all stand together as we read from Judges chapter 2, and I'll read verses 1 through 15. This is... If uh, for some reason you need to sit down, I might need to sit down in the middle of this with my back being like it is. Uh, Feel free to do so. Judges, beginning at verse number 1. And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars. Uh, But ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they called the name of that place Bochum, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord." And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Heres, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Let us pray. Father, once again we thank you for your word which we're able to read and study 
and preach. And Holy Spirit, as we preach the word of God this morning, I pray that you would strengthen uh, me as I speak, and I pray that you would open the hearts and minds of everyone that will hear. Help us today to learn truth from your word. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Notice verse 10 with me, if you would. And I'd like for us to all together read this verse out loud. Verse number 10. Ready? Begin. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. All that generation, we read. What generation? The generation of people that was alive during the Exodus, during the conquest of the land of Canaan, those that had witnessed the plagues in Egypt, those that had walked through the Red Sea, those that saw the walls of Jericho fall down flat. All that generation, we read, were gathered unto their fathers. In other words, they died. All who were old enough during the historical times I have described to understand what they witnessed, all of these were now gone. And then we see the word and. This is a very big and. And there arose another generation after them. This, of course, is not unusual. One generation is usually succeeded by another generation. But there is something askew, spiritually speaking, about the generation that followed. We read, which knew not the Lord. Now, this new generation knew about God. They perceived the existence of God. They may have even acknowledged the same. But they did not know God. They had no intimate understanding or familiarity with God. They had not witnessed the great power of God as their forefathers did. They did not see God provide manna in the wilderness. They did not see God bring water from the rock. And further, they had little to no knowledge of these things. Now, let me begin, um, or let me bring this to us this morning. It is my firm belief that we are living in the same condition today. We have, as a society, become a generation that know not God. What have we become today as a society? What, what identifies this generation? Well, one of the things that identify this generation is divorce. I did some research in the last week, and I found out that 33% of all marriages end in divorce. One in every three. Uh, What about abortions? Our society is identified by abortions. An abortion is performed, one, one abortion is performed every 20 seconds in the United States alone. That's not worldwide. That's just in the United States. So in the time that I will preach, it will take me to preach this message this morning, um, there's going to be quite a few babies aborted. Uh, What else identifies this generation? Well, homosexuality. It's been, it's been, it's under surveys, it's been discovered that one in every five persons either is involved in homosexuality or is, has, has acquaintance of someone that does. One in every five people. 
um, drugs and gang violence permeates our society today. I have an article here that I, that I read, Gangs and Drugs in Public Schools. This was dated August 20th, 2010, so this is almost two years old. The nation's public schools earn a failing grade when it comes to protecting teens from drugs and gang activity, a nationwide survey suggests. About one in four surveyed teens attending public schools reported the presence of both gangs and drugs at their school. And 32% of 12- and 13-year-old middle school children said drugs were used, kept, or sold on school grounds. A 39% increase in just one year, the article states. The findings suggest that as many as 5.7 million public school children in the U.S. attend schools where both drugs and gangs are readily available. What else identifies our society today? Promiscuity. And by promiscuity, I mean unmarried sex. The survey states that for girls age 14 to 16, 26.8% say that they are regularly involved in sexual activity. That's over one-fourth of, of the girls. Boys aged 14 to 16 is 24.3%. Pornography is a real issue today. In my studies, I discovered that 37% of websites involve pornography. That's over one-third. One in every three websites is a pornographic site. I read an article on that also. Dated December 16, 2005, so this is seven years removed from the condition today. It's probably more than 37% now. A significant rise in pornographic DVD sales and rentals within the United States points to a rapidly growing addiction to pornography that is going largely unacknowledged within society. The United States' massive porn industry has reported a marked increase in sales of DVDs for home adult entertainment. California-based adult video news predicted revenues of $12.6 billion this year for the industry. Of that number, $4.28 billion is predicted from sales and rentals of porn DVDs, even though the price of a porn film has dropped 20% in the last year. The report offers no reason for the increase in sales and the growth of the industry overall, although some retailers of the products have suggested the increase is due to growing social acceptance of adult sexual entertainment. That social acceptance is, in fact, a rapidly growing addiction to pornographic material within mainstream society, according to researchers and therapists who work in the field of sexual dysfunction. Now, these are not imaginary numbers. They are documented facts. And this, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. I've only, I only have time today to scratch the surface of what our society has become. In short, we in America have raised a generation that knows not God. But how could this happen? How, with all of our resources and advantages in this great nation of ours, 
How did we allow such a thing as this to happen to us? Now, it would be very easy today, as I mentioned earlier, to point to the atheists and the liberals and blame all of this on them. That would be the easy path. And it might even ease our conscience a little and keep us from having to assume the blame ourselves. But alas, our condition today is not the fault of the atheists and the liberals. It is, in fact, the fault of Christendom. We read from Judges chapter 2 earlier. Who was it that forsook God? Who was it that worshipped false gods? Who was it? It was his children. It was his own people. And while Christendom today in America might not have instigated all of these things, we have set by glibly and let it happen and watched it happen. And more than that, in some cases, we've become involved and we've embraced it. In Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, I want you to turn there. I don't want to just read this. I want you to see it. Let's all turn to Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7. And let's look at verse 14 together. And we're going to read this verse together out loud. Second Chronicles chapter 7. If you haven't found it yet, just look intelligently at wherever you are and move your lips and pretend to be reading. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Ready? Begin. If my people... Stop. Who? Who's pe- whose people? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. If my people, he says. He doesn't say, if the atheists, which are not called by my name. He doesn't say, if the liberals, which are not called by my name. He said, if my people, which are called by my name. That's you and me. That's us. I've spent the past 31 years working on a daily basis with teenagers. In that time, I have dealt with a steadily declining morality among young people. And now, three or four generations removed from when I began, I think I know something about what has brought us to where we are today. So if you will allow me some latitude this morning, I'm not trying to boast or say I know it all, but I know a pretty good bit about what's happening to our young people in America. If you'll allow me some latitude, I will attempt to share some thoughts with you that have contributed to this decay in our society. Now, as a disclaimer, not all of you will like some of the things I have to say today. However, please believe me when I say I have no one in mind today. It is not my intention to upset anyone. But the preaching of the word of God is often very convicting. 
And if anything I have to say offends you, I apologize beforehand. I apologize for the offense, but I do not apologize for preaching the truth. What has attributed to our problem in today? What what has caused us to have a generation of young people in America which know not God. And I tell you what, all you have to do is go to the mall, all you have to do is go to a movie theater, stand out front and watch the young people, and you'll see a group of people that have no fear of God in their life. They don't know the Lord. What's, what, what has caused this? Well, let me share with you the thoughts that I find from what happened in Israel, and I find what's happening in America today. Number one, it's the silence of the saints. The silence of the saints. I would like for you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now we have to turn to some scriptures because I believe you need to see them. So bear with me this morning and I'm going to try to get us out of here by 1.30. Did I say something funny? Deuteronomy chapter 6 and I'll read the first eight verses. Now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God thy fathers has promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Now this is all a preface to this generation that is now in Canaan. And and these fathers, these saints of God, have been warned to make sure they diligently teach these young people. Uh, Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest, risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. This is a matter of perpetuating the heritage of Israel. God required the men and women of Israel to continually teach his commandments to their children. This is so that they would not forget. This is so that they would know and understand the principles of God's word. Now in this scripture, we see two distinct things they were to proclaim. First, they were to preach God's word. We read just a moment ago from verses 6 and 7. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. That's all the time. God commanded that these people teach their preach the word of God to their children at all times. We as humans are feeble creatures. We forget so easily. This is why when we, uh, we often repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. But alas, the elder generations in Israel did not heed the warning of God. They became silent in this matter of preaching the word of God. And their silence doomed an entire generation to a life void of the knowledge of God. And certainly this is true for us today. You and I must be faithful to teach our children the word of God. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, Paul writes, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead as it appearing in kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables what is the only protection our children have against the world can someone tell me the word of god that's it they have no other defense the sword of the spirit the the armor of god the word of god the word of truth the only protection they have against the false doctrines of today is to hear the true preaching of god's word Yet today, many absence themselves from the one place designed for that very purpose. And in this, they behave foolishly. Every time a Bible is open to preach, when my children were growing, every time a Bible was open and a preacher stood to preach, they were present. Because I'm, a, I'm, I'm frail flesh, but the word of God is complete truth. Our young people in America today need to hear the preaching of the word of God. Amen. They need to hear it from behind the pulpits that we've raised in America. They need to hear it at the dinner table in your homes. They need to hear it as they lie in bed at night as you read to them from the scripture before you put them to sleep. They need to hear the word of God for this is the only protection that they have. The silence of the saints doomed an entire generation to a godless existence. And that's where we are today. Young people have no fear of God. No respect. And it's our fault. Because we've been silent. But not only are we to preach God's word, but secondly, from this passage, we found that we're to proclaim God's works. Now, I I intended to read all of Psalm 145, but I'm not going to have time to do that. You're going to have to do that for homework. And when we come back tonight, we'll quiz it. Does God still do miracles today? Someone actually, someone mentioned in a forum class a few weeks back, does God still do miracles today? The fact that people ask me this question is evidence that they do not know or understand the works of God. I'm sorry, isn't the universe a miracle? Huh? Uh, By the way, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. I believe in it. God spoke and bang, everything was there. I do believe. It wasn't 4.8 billion years ago, but I I agree with scientists. There was a Big Bang and God lit the fuse. Uh, What about the birth of a child? Isn't that a miracle? Huh? You know what? It's a miracle today when they survive to, to be born and they don't get aborted. What about the rising of the sun? The sun came up this morning. You couldn't see it for the clouds, but it's there. The rising of the sun. Isn't that a miracle? How many of you have ever been present when someone received Christ and was saved? How many of you have ever been? Isn't that a miracle? Isn't it a miracle at the saving of a soul? Oh, yes. Everything we see. Everything we see is a miracle. The fact that I'm standing here today is a miracle. Because I was the meanest, nastiest person you would have ever wanted to meet. Some of you may think I'm still that person. But I'm much worse. I was much worse than I am now. 
Everything we see is a miracle. And the fact that our society today is ignorant of this is due to the fact that they have no knowledge of God. And this is because, in no small part, to the silence of the Lord's saints. So first, there's the silence of the saints. But then secondly, I want you to notice the failures of the fathers. The failures of the fathers. If your Bible is still at Judges, turn back to Judges chapter 2 with me. If not, you can just listen on. I won't lie to you, I promise. Judges chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we read, And the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land, which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? The failures of the fathers. The elders and fathers of Israel made the, the grave mistake of living careless lives. And today, we see this as well. You know, sometimes I, I hear people say things that just, I just, they dumbfound me. Things like, well, I'm an adult, and nobody is going to tell me what I can and can't do. You know what? Say that often enough around your children. And one day, they will reject the preaching of God's words and do what they want to do, regardless of what God wants them to do. I'm a grown, I'm an adult. But the Bible tells me my life is not my own. I'm bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. And we're to do the things that God tells us to do, not what we want to do. If what we want to do is not not right with Scripture, we don't do what we want to do. We do what God wants us to do because we are his. These fathers failed their children. And it is in part because of their careless living that their children grew to reject God. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, That ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. We're to live a life worthy of our God. We're to walk in such a manner that God is glorified by our lives. Remember the admonition of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where he says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Yeah, we can do what we want, but not everything is good to do. And we need to, make, we need to learn that we need to live our lives worthy of the Father. Now, I do not want to get anyone mad at me today, but let me just say, it is because of our failures today that we live in a society that we do. If we were living with a holy fear of God, if we were humbly seeking the will of God for our lives, if we would confess and repent of our sin, God would forgive us. He would heal our land, and our children would know the Lord. I mean, who else are we going to blame? Are you going to blame the atheists? Are we going to blame the liberals? As I said earlier, they are what they are. But remember this, they cannot change anything in God's kingdom. The the atheist and the liberal does not influence the kingdom of God. It's the Christians. It's you and it's me. Stop shifting the blame. 
Look in the mirror. Point your finger at yourself. And say, thou art the man. Forsake the philosophy of do as I say and not as I do. Remember that your actions speak louder than your words. Before you involve yourself in anything, ask yourself this. How is this going to affect my children? How is this going to affect my church? Oh, yes. Your behavior affects our church. See, I don't like that kind of talk. Well, I don't care. It does. How is this going to affect my testimony? How is this going to affect other, the way other people view me? Well, I don't care what other people think of me. Well, you're supposed to. The Bible says we're to esteem others better than ourselves, doesn't it? You know, don't make stupid statements like that because all you do is prove you don't know the word of God. Uh-oh, it's quiet. This generation today in America knows not the Lord. And they don't know the Lord because of the silence of the saints. And they don't know the Lord because of the failures of the fathers. But then thirdly, because of the waywardness of their worship. The waywardness of their worship. Judges chapter 2 again, verses 11 through 13. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. Now I suppose that before we can learn To worship God, we should know what it means to worship God. By definition, it is the act of divine honor consisting in reverence, praise, confession, prayer, thanksgiving, submission, conformity, and obedience. Now, given this definition, how many of us are truly worshiping God? What were the elements of worship? Well, there was reverence, which means fear and respect. There was praise which is the recognition of God's worth. There was confession, which is the result of conviction. There was prayer, which is communion with the Father. There was thanksgiving, which is gratitude for God's grace and mercy. There was submission, which is humble and suppliant behavior. There was conformity, meeting God's expectations for me. And there was obedience, Willful compliance to what is expected and complete abstinence from what is prohibited. These are the elements that involve worship or to constitute worship. These children failed in their worship to God because they had an improper understanding of what worship truly is. And the same is true in America today. Across our nation, This morning, people are involved with what they call worship services. But the truth is, they are simply involved in emotionally charged, self-gratifying entertainment. Where is the reverence for God in these worship services? The acknowledgement of his sovereignty in all matters. Where is the confession 
in these services, resulting from the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there is no shame in their hearts today. As was in the days of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah writes, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Where is the prayer or the thanksgiving today in our worship services? In fact, most men act as if God owes them something. The thanksgiving they offer is hollow and obligatory, designed to impress the hearer, but not sincere to the Savior. Where is the submission? Where is the conformity? Where is the obedience in our Christian services today, in our worship? In fact, men have changed the image of God into what they want him to be. Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 1, where he states, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of God to the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now listen to me for a moment. Anyone who can hear preaching such as this and go away and feel no shame or guilt for careless living, I worry about the soul of a person such as that. These children of Israel failed in their worship to the Lord, and I fear that most Christians today also fail in their worship as well. And this failure to worship God in truth and in sincerity has bred a generation of believers who seek to satisfy self more than they seek to satisfy God. They seek churches and preachers that appeal to their flesh rather than convict their hearts. We read this earlier. I'll read it again from Second Timothy chapter 4. I charge thee. Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant out of season, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables." And all of this just leads them farther and farther from the Lord. Now, I hate to end a message on a bad note. And thankfully, I don't have to leave this one there either. For you see, our God is a God of grace and a God of mercy. We know that God's grace is displayed when he gives us uh, what we do not deserve. But we also know that God's mercy is displayed when God does not give us what we do deserve. So lastly this morning, let us look at the goodness of God. I'd like for you to turn with me to Psalm 31. Psalm 31. And I'll begin reading verse 1. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock, for in house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me. For thou art my strength. Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I have hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. 
I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities, and thou hast not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. Thou hast set my feet in a large room. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yet, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity and my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors and a fear to mine acquaintance. They that did see me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side while they took counsel together against me. They devised to take away my life. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed and let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord. For he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. O love the Lord, all ye his saints. For the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. And in this psalm we see the torment of David. This was a psalm written during the time when Saul pursued David to kill him. And David was living a life of of, of misery and a life of, of unhappiness. But you notice in this passage in this psalm, what did he keep saying? But I trust in the Lord, but I love thee, O God, but I cried unto thee, and thou hast delivered me. Do you see that? Do you see that in that Psalm of David? God remembered his promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He remembered his covenant with his people. He heard the cries of his people. Even after they had forsaken him, even after they had forgotten him, and he turned his ear to their cry. Over and over and over again in the book of Judges, we see the statement, and and again the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. But then we also repeatedly, repeatedly, and repeatedly see, but God delivered them. God heard the cries of his people, and he showed mercy unto them. He showed mercy unto them in two ways. First, to deliver them from desolation. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 5, we read, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God is faithful, and he will not forsake us. He will deliver us from all evil. He will deliver us from the desolation of this world. He delivered the children of Israel, not because they deserved to be delivered, 
but he but because of his righteousness and because of his mercy he delivered them and he will deliver us today if we remember to confess and forsake the sin in our lives but as long as we're denying as long as we're hiding attempting to hide the sin in our lives as long as we feel no remorse or shame for what is happening in our world today then God will not deliver us. For he says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear, then will I heal. First John chapter 1 and verse 9 states, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But by his mercy, he not only delivered them from desolation, But he was also faithful to, secondly, restore them to fellowship. Now, again, I don't have time to read Psalm 51. But you should go home and read it. It's a psalm of David confessing to God over his sin with Bathsheba. And in that psalm, David pleads with God that he would restore unto him the joy of his salvation. And that joy, my friends, is the, is the ability to fellowship with the Father. Today, God will restore the fellowship between himself and us if we are prepared to confess and forsake. There arose another generation that knew not the Lord. Let me ask you, is this going to be the epitaph of, of us as well? Will we of this generation be guilty of repeating the mistakes made by the people of Israel? Will we continue in the silence of the saints? Or will we, will we proclaim the word of God and the works of God unto our children? Will we continue in the failures of the fathers? Or will we stand up as men? And live lives that are, that are worthy of the Father, that glorify and honor God and lead our families to do the same. Will we continue in the waywardness of worship? Or will we really learn what it means to worship God? And will we be diligent in that worship? That's it. We were a quiet crowd today. Let me tell you something. I'm not preaching something to you that I believe that I'm perfect at. This is, this is things I've had to face in my own life. These are things that I've had to deal with and come to grips with in my own home and family. We have an awesome God. God is so good. He's so good to all of us. And we've turned our back on him. You know, America deserves judgment today. We don't don't deserve anything less. And as you sit in the pew, you may think, what's he talking about? I'm a good person. I'm a pretty good guy. Not according to the Bible, you're not. Let's, Let's put away our pride. Let's put away our our own excuses. You know, my grandpa used to tell me, all an excuse is is a reason with a clever lie wrapped around it. 
I told some of my students in class the other day, you have to stop and think about an excuse. You have to plan it. You have to rehearse it. And then you have to deliver it. But truth is truth. Whether it's smooth or rough matters not. It's truth. And folks, while I'm not sitting here telling all of you today, you guys are are all just messing up terribly. What I'm saying is, we're not going to see a change in our nation unless we, God's people, get right with God. Because as soon as God's people get right with him, he's going to heal our land. So if you have any hope of seeing this country turned to God, then we need to hit, the, hit our knees, start praying, start forsaking, and start seeking the Lord. Let's pray. Father, Father, you, you love us. You provide for us. Even when we don't deserve it, you take care of us. But Lord, we have, a, we have a generation of young people in our country that don't know you at all and, and don't care about you at all. And, and this generation didn't just pop up. It's the result of 50 years or more of, of failings and silence and waywardness. And Lord, we ask today that you would give us the the courage and the strength to stand up and say no more. And Lord, we may not be able to change the entire world from Berean Baptist Church, but we can influence and affect Roner Park. We can influence and affect our own homes. And, and we can start doing the right things. And only, only you know where that will lead. So I pray you would speak to our hearts today. Help each of us to look inward and change those things that need to be changed. And Lord, we'll praise you and we'll thank you and we'll give you all the glory and all the honor. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.